1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. number two of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. It is Thursday. It is November 2nd. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. As a reminder here for you, the time change, uh, sticking with some live programming in the morning, the Dan Patrick Show, 7 to 10 a.m., followed by the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp from 10 to 11. And this here program... Well, hopefully for- that'll be live programming in the morning, too. I, I hope so. so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that'll be from 10 to 11 in this here program from 11 to 1. Uh, that'll get started on Monday. 602-260-1060 is the number. If you'd like to join the program, we'll take your calls in this hour around 11.15. Let's reset the scene with today's poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question, uh, wrapping things up with the Diamondbacks and their postseason run. World Series, uh, the Rangers won last night 5 nothing in Game 5 to win the series 4-1. to What most stood out, though, during the Diamondbacks postseason run, the options are winning the final two games in Philadelphia to win the National League, late inning bullpen domination, or Cattell Marte's hitting streak. And right now, winning those final two games is at 91% of the vote. Cattell Marte's hitting streak is at 9%, and late inning bullpen domination is at 0% of the vote. We will officially provide our answer around 1130 today. Tossing this on over to Twitter at KDUS AM 1060 in the 9 o'clock hour, Bob had a conversation with David Beauclair with Believe Network. You can podcast that over at KDUS1060.com or with the KDUS 1060 app. But who wins tonight in Pittsburgh? And the Steelers are out in front at 70% of the vote. Titans trailing at 30%. It's Will Levis getting his second career start in the NFL he had, uh, I would say, there was a bye week in between him getting in start, and now he's on a short week, so we'll see if any of that has a factor. Plus, the Titans have not had success so far this year on the road. I've not won a game on the road this year, so including the London game, right? So uh, no success at all on the road. <laughs> No. So we will officially answer that question today around 1130. Let's get into the Arizona Cardinals. All eyes are on the quarterback situation here for them as they prepare for the Browns uh, on Sunday. Taking a look at the Wednesday injury report, Tristan Colon did not practice with a calf. We saw him leave Sunday's game. Amari DiMercato showed up on the injury report as well, not practicing with a toe injury. Michael Wilson with a shoulder did not practice. We saw him leave Sunday's game. Chris Barnes limited, Greg Dortch limited, Kevin Strong limited, and Kyler Murray practicing in full Meanwhile, the Browns had 18 players on the injury report. Some were not practicing for just specific rest days. But I think the one that did show up of maybe some interest, Deshaun Watson practicing limited. 
And Deshaun Watson also, since that practice report came out yesterday, has said today he is unsure whether he'll start on Sunday. So, takeaways yesterday from head coach Jonathan Gannon. Uh, it was a lot of very short responses from the head coach yesterday. No, really? For Jonathan Gannon? Come on. I think they were. He didn't like spill his guts on everything? Come on. I, I'm stunned. I think it may have been a record for how short the answers were. Like, they seemed to be even shorter than normal. Um, but asked if Mari uh, DiMercato is dinged up or if they're just bringing in running backs to help with the Damian Williams situation here. And he said that, referring to the latter, we'll see how the week goes. But then you had Amari on the injury report. And you also had news from this morning here that Tony Jones Jr. has been signed to the active roster today at the running back position. So we'll be monitoring the running back situation. Okay, we've seen enough of Tony Jones Jr. before. He, you know, there's a reason he's a street-free agent. He's been brought in here twice now, maybe long, maybe more than twice, at least twice, and he's been let go. He's just he shouldn't be in an NFL roster, quite frankly. So the next topic of conversation here is who's going to be the quarterback, and you want to know what uh, Jonathan Gannon thinks about rookie quarterback Clayton Toon. So the question here is where has Clayton's growth been from training camp to today? He says production in practice, the amount of reps he's getting, playing faster, operating with a little better handle on the offense, as you would expect for a quarterback to do. The more reps he gets, excited to see him get out there and practice today. Uh, I'm guessing really the only reps he's had in practice are in a scout team because he certainly has not gotten hardly any uh, first team reps. And I'm guessing even less the last couple of weeks since Murray's been out there. I would have to assume that as well, but when asked what the plan is in divvying up the reps between Toon and Kyler Murray, he says, got a good plan. They'll all practice. Okay. <laughs> um, and then, you know, what is the hope of what you want to see from Kyler this week to kind of see if he's going to be ready to go for Sunday? And he simply says more of the same things as last week. Moving on. Congratulations. <laughs> yes. Great. Moving on to the status of James Conner. Uh, he is eligible to come off of the IR or, you know, have the practice window opened up, if you will, here. I believe it's next week, right? Yeah, it is. I, I, I might have said, in fact, I'm sure I thought, I actually, I was told on Sunday by somebody that's close to the Cardinals that that was actually going to be this week, but apparently it's not. And he's eligible to come back next week. So sorry about that. Earlier in the week, I got some bad information. And that's my fault for believing it. Uh, but he was asked how James Conner is coming along and was very brief with this answer. Excellent. I think he's getting faster. So I guess James Conner is picking up speed. Uh, when it comes to <laughs> specifically Sunday's contest here, Miles Garrett in the Browns defense uh, talking about just how good he is. And he says, yeah, he is. He's a really good player. But their whole defense, Coach Schwartz is one of the best to ever do it. They are fast, aggressive. They got really good players at all three levels. They are connected with how they play. It's a little bit different style than ours, but they are one of the top defenses in the NFL. We have a big challenge ahead. This certainly is high praise for Schwartz, who also had high praise from Rollis earlier in the week. Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, I mean, they have a, they've got really talented players. They've had some. They've got talented players who have not exactly played to their talent level, 
in recent years, but certainly they've uh, flourished under uh, Schwartz. And they, they, they mentioned different style of defense. You don't know where he's going to blitz from. And there have been, I'm guessing, because I don't watch every play of every team, I can't imagine there's been any team in the NFL that it's been as bad as the Cardinals have been at blitz pickup, which has gotten worse during the season so far. And, uh, you know, it's it, – it, it's an interesting terminology here. Jonathan Gannon uses it a lot, uh, whether it's offense or defense, and he talks about connected. And I just think that it's kind of an interesting philosophy to listen to him when he is providing more in-depth answers about what he means by connected and how units stay connected together on the field in order to have success. I just never really heard it, I guess, viewed in that, that, that prism before. Yeah, me either. I think it's kind of a crock, quite frankly. Um, it's connected when you have really good players, and they have very few of them. And uh, uh, just I've, I've, you know, most of the stuff that you know the Cardinals coaching staff has said this year, and it's not going to get any better. Uh, just it's hard for me to make any concrete comments on them because I just think it's coach speak, and I don't, I'm not blaming them. They realize that they're not any good but they're not going to ever tell you that they're not a good because they can't say that publicly. Clayton Toon met the media here. Uh, so the questions for him, how has the week been? He says it's been good. It's exciting to have this opportunity. I feel like I've been preparing the same way I have been all season, but just excited for this opportunity to give my team an opportunity to win. It was kind of an interesting setup in general, just with the questions, because you're kind of asking questions like he might be the starter, but he's not really answering as though he is the starter. So it was just kind of a unique conversation in general to listen to. He was asked about his improvements and what he thinks he's been improving on, and he says he's made a lot of improvements watching Dobbs, watching Kyler, watching all the guys who have come before me, learning and learning from the mistakes that I've made early on. I feel like I've come a long way from training camp. So, obviously, uh, being able to make leaps and bounds, I think, has something to do with reps that we talked about. So, who knows how many reps he's been able to get. But then, obviously, there is some uh, portion of it from watching film and just kind of seeing uh, seeing the areas that you need to improve on. Okay, two things come to mind. One, his last game that he played in the pre was that the last game he played in the preseason? Whenever they played Minnesota in the preseason – that was the most easy, basic read in the world that he threw a, an interception right to the, you know, the edge rusher. Threw it right to him. That was just a horrendous play as far as just not knowing what the defense is. And like I said, it's the most basic play in football. High school quarterbacks we should have seen that, but he didn't. So hopefully that's gotten better. And uh, you know, accuracy. Uh, he has a strong arm. There's no doubt about that. But accuracy was kind of uh, the bugaboo in college when he was at Houston and certainly was uh, something that was not uh, good during the preseason. Chemistry with the wide receivers, he says, I think it's good. I had a lot more time with them and been throwing a lot with them. I know how they run routes. They know what where to expect the ball, so it's good. He was also asked about using his mobility. I think we have mobile guys in the quarterback room, so I think there will be some designed quarterback runs, but also when the play breaks down, having that ability to scramble around, make a play, something I feel like I can do. I think that's 100% accurate. I mean, obviously, you know, Dobbs was actually his best in his Cardinals days, and 
really his college days and his days with other teams in the NFL when he runs the ball. A uh, better runner than he is a passer. Uh, as I just mentioned, that's kind of what I thought about, too, when he was in college. And I liked him, and I liked the Cardinals drafting him. I thought it was a really good idea to you know, give it a shot for you got to find a quarterback here at some point. And I still don't think they know who their backup quarterback is next year or their starting quarterback, for that matter. So that was fine. Uh, so I, I think and you know, it's certainly, you know, Murray, when he's healthy, is uh, mobile. I think the biggest question when we actually see Murray play is coming off an ACL and he ran less and less every year in the, in, when he was healthy. Is he going to be even more reluctant to run now? That's going to be a big factor. And, you know, ACL surgeries have been very different than they have been uh, in years past. Just uh, one, in terms of kind of the quickness of the recovery time. Also, just the improvements that have been made to to the repair itself. I'm curious to see, you know, if there is any drop-off in uh speed if there's any drop off in kind of those quick movements the quick twitch movements that you you would expect to see from kyler murray but then also just the mental hurdles about trusting that the yeah. knee has the stability to do what you want to do absolutely I agree with that and plus you know, i think we've learned from uh, over the years that you know one acl surgery is not necessarily the same as the previous one for somebody else i mean it's just kind of a yeah, it's a more of an individual thing than you know some some other the sur- some other surgeries that we've seen in professional sports. And the final thing that caught my attention from Clayton Toon meeting the media yesterday for the Arizona Cardinals, uh, he was asked about the difference between open wide receivers in college versus the NFL. He says, <laughs> "Good it, question." <laughs> he says it depends. Yeah, really good. <laughs> there's sometimes we scheme it up and there is guys wide open, and there's obviously times where you got to make a tight throw and put it where it needs to be. So it's a little bit of both. There is a lot more anticipation. Got to throw it to a spot and trust your guy is going to yeah. be there. There and trust he'll make the play for you. I think that's obviously, and I'm not the first person to say, quarterbacks have said this for years. That is the biggest difference going from college football to the NFL is, you know, the, the, the open receivers are not quite there as often as they uh, were in college in most cases. Yeah, and sometimes when you're making the read, he's not open. You throw him open, right? Or uh, yeah. you're you're just kind of anticipating, as he said, a spot to throw it to, and you're trusting that the scheme is getting the guy open. That's no no absolutely no doubt about that. That's for sure. So we'll continue to monitor to see what happens here with the Arizona Cardinals. Kayla, let me. Get, can I get one other quick thing yeah. in here? Walter Davis, former son. Uh, has passed away at the age of 69. Uh, the University of North Carolina basketball program has announced this. I'm guessing there are other people that have announced this too, but the first thing I saw was from uh, the University of North Carolina announcing this. Uh, and they had a big thing with the Suns with their new Ring of Honor in the last weekend, and uh, he was not there. And uh, I talked to somebody who was, and they were kind of wondering if he was okay. And uh, unfortunately, he's not. And uh, Apparently, he died of natural causes at the age of 69. The school announced that this morning. On the other side of the break, we can certainly get a little bit more into Walter Davis and his career. We're also going to talk about Bob Knight, who passed away yesterday. Uh, We'll also take your phone calls if you'd like to join the program. 602-260-1060 is the number. It is the Extra Point. 
James Out West brings NFL, NBA, MLB, and local sports talk to you Monday night starting at 7 on KTUS AM 1060 and the KTUS 1060 app. Eleven twenty-three on this Thursday, November 2nd. Bob Camp, Caleb Morslaro here with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. A reminder starting Monday, the Dan Patrick Show, 7 to 10 a.m., followed by the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp from 10 to 11, and this year program from 11 to 1. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in. Uh, continuing a little bit more about Walter Davis before we uh, transition into Bob Knight and talking a little bit about him. Uh, Walter Davis... 1,863 points, 670 rebounds, 409 assists while playing for UNC. Uh, Then he was also obviously drafted here with the Phoenix Suns. He won Rookie of the Year in 1978. He was a five-time NBA All-Star, and he also happens to be the uncle of the current UNC head coach, Hubert Davis. That is true. Um, one of the best uh, you know, baseline jump shooters ever. And I'm not exaggerating there. I think people know me well enough that I don't exaggerate uh, and uh, go crazy about uh, you know things when I, you know, if I don't say something if I really don't mean it, unless I'm completely going blank or something. But in this case, you know, he was, you know, you know, one or two dribbles and, you know, just a quick shot and incredible accuracy and so forth. Got to know him a little bit uh, in my Prescott days when I was a newspaper guy there and the Suns were still training in Prescott at Yavapai College. Really good dude. Uh, very nice. And I know that people knew him here that worked in the local media and uh, they always uh, talked highly of him as a human being. Uh, according to the UNC website that is honoring him as well, this season happens to be the 50th anniversary of Davis's 25-foot shot at the buzzer against their rival Duke, which ended up capping an eight-point comeback in the final 17 seconds of regulation. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember that game. Okay, Sent it to wow, overtime, that's... and the Tar Heels ended up winning, yeah. but that's 50 years ago this season. Yeah, uh, I didn't watch that game live. There weren't, you know, shockingly, uh, that's, you know, be- before cable, at least uh, in most places before cable. And uh, there were occasionally college basketball games over the weekend, you could see once in a while. And uh, they used to have an ACC network, which wasn't called the ACC network, I forget. Uh, Jefferson Pilot, I believe, was the, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the guys, that, uh, the company that put those games out. Uh, but uh, obviously North Carolina, that's right when, you know, Duke is, uh, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, Duke was really good before Krzyzewski for many years. And then they had some down years and they hired Coach K. And obviously I think everybody knows what's going to have happened since then. Uh, but, you know, I, I forgot all about that game. But I know if you bring that up, I remember hearing I've seen replays of it on the ACC Network, actually. And, you know, the ACC Network just a few years ago or a couple years ago. Uh, did a history of the ACC as far as basketball and the history of the uh, of the ACC tournament and so forth and a lot of the things. Uh, Walter Davis was certainly included in that. Transitioning on to uh, more topics around the world of college basketball and Bob Knight, uh, it was announced yesterday he died at the age of 83 
accolades while he was at Indiana. Three national titles there. One undefeated season in total. Won 661 games at Indiana. Reached the NCAA tournament 24 times in 29 seasons. He was not without controversy, though. We know about the incident uh, throwing the chair at a Purdue game. That's probably been played a gazillion times on TV and replay. There's also the incident where he allegedly choked a player, Neil Reed, in a practice back in 1997, and then what ultimately uh, had him moved on from Indiana in 2000 was violating a zero-tolerance behavior policy, grabbing a freshman uh, student by the arm. That's true. Um, you know, back in his playing days at the Ohio State University, uh, was a, a bench player on the national championship team in 1960. Uh, you know, Fred Taylor uh, was his head coach then, and I grew up watching Ohio State basketball with Fred Taylor. Was I was only three years old when they won the national championship in 1960, so I don't recall that. But I do recall when they lost the national championship game in 1962. Same players, Jerry Lucas, and uh, was the main guy there, uh, the main player at that point. But uh, Knight was on the team. But I do remember they lost to uh, you know Xavier in '61 uh, and '62 actually. Uh, so uh, that was a you know, big deal there. And they lost to Cincinnati one year too. I think they beat Cincinnati in actually 1961. They won the national championship. But I know Ohio State released a statement just a few. Uh, I think they probably released it before. But the Big Ten Network, which I've been watching this morning has been basically, usually they don't have a whole lot of, you know, on Thursdays during football season, you know, all the press conferences from the uh, college football, from the, co- the, the football coaches, or, you know, that's Monday and Tuesday, and they usually have a studio show once, uh, you know, for like an hour, but I don't think they have a Thursday show, but they're, they've cut in today, and it's been all Bob Knight. They replayed the national championship game. You mentioned 1976. That is still the last undefeated team in college basketball. Uh, that has gone through to win a national championship. Uh, and I actually didn't see that game live in 1976 because I had a City League basketball tournament uh, championship game that night. And I remember we had somebody running to the payphone at Pima Community College in Tucson. Uh, at least I had somebody doing that for me. And they were like a dime or whatever to put in the payphone and calling my father to get scoring updates on that game. <laughs> that was, and I, I didn't even see that game ever until like a, just a few years ago on Big Ten Network, and they just replayed it again with uh, between the 10 and 11 o'clock hour this morning. I'm guessing they might even play that again this afternoon because sometimes at this time of the week they just kind of rerun some of the morning programming in the afternoon. You had mentioned that it's uh, the last undefeated this season. Is it also the only undefeated season? No, no, there's been plenty of okay. those beforehand. You know, UCLA a few times and other teams too. Uh, maybe even one of those Xavier teams in the early 60s uh, was you know, undefeated too. So there were plenty before that, but uh, that's the last one. He did also coach at Texas Tech for six full seasons. Uh, he had five 20-win seasons and resigned in the middle of the t- 2008 and 2009 season. I think he had uh, a stint or whatever calling basketball or being an analyst of some sort yeah. with ESPN. Uh, so he stuck around basketball after his coaching career. He did for a while. Um, it, quite frankly, he wasn't very good on TV. I was, I remember, I was kind of somewhat disappointed uh, on television with him, but uh, yeah, I thought he'd be you know, more opinionated because he certainly was when he was a coach. 
Uh, so there's that. You know, he had obviously a horrendous ending at the Indiana thing. He didn't go back to Indiana for many years until like two or three years ago when he went back. And uh, I believe it was the anniversary of uh, you know, some anniversary for one of his older teams. And a lot of his old players were there. And it was quite an emotional experience that particular day in Bloomington. So at least he went back and he wore his, you know, you know his, his, his red you know, jacket that he became pretty much, you know, I think pretty famous for and so forth. I've only, I never interviewed him or talked to him. I was in a uh, interview room uh, after the big, they got eliminated in the big 10 tournament one year by Purdue uh, you know, obviously big rivals and so forth. And Gene Katie, it was quite a, it's fun. It was a blast watching those two guys coach the same game. And, you know, Knight's known for his sideline antics, but Gene Katie was far more nuts on a regular basis on the sidelines than Knight was, uh, and, uh, watching those two guys. But there was a post game after Indiana had lost and he was not a happy camper, and um, in this press conference room at the Big Ten tournament at the United Center in Chicago, and I wasn't going to ask him anything, you know, and I was afraid I just asked him the wrong question and he'd just go nuts. But I could also sense that the beat writers at IU who dealt with him like every day, they seemed to be a little reluctant to ask him anything also. <laughs> so I felt better. So Bob Knight dying Wednesday at the age of 83. Sticking with basketball, uh, the Suns, they're back on the court tonight hosting the Spurs. Kind of an interesting, weird scheduling because they just played the Spurs Tuesday night in Phoenix. They're playing the Spurs again Thursday night here in Phoenix. Devin Booker, uh, at least the last I saw, was questionable. Bradley Beal officially out. Uh, They are looking to avenge that loss from Tuesday after they had a 20-point lead in the third quarter and uh, ended up losing by one. It's just really hard to evaluate this Suns team when the two main guys uh, aren't playing everyone is then therefore thrust into a different role right like I can't imagine Grayson Allen's going to be starting I can't imagine that Eric Gordon's going to be starting so them getting those types of minutes in a starting role is not what we expect to see later on with Booker and Beal true and uh, last I saw from Tuesday the Suns were uh non-committal the no timetable was the official quote as to when either of those guys would return So that game is tonight at uh, 7 o'clock on 3TV. It's poll question time, and we'll get to that on the other side of the break. Looking at the Diamondbacks' postseason run, came to a conclusion yesterday, but uh, there were some pretty cool moments for the Arizona Diamondbacks to find themselves competing in the World Series for the first time in 22 years and in the 25th season since they began as a franchise here in Phoenix. So we'll answer that question, the KDOS1060.com poll question, as well as there's Thursday night football tonight, the Titans and the Steelers, who wins? We'll answer that next. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. SB Nation Radio is now Sports Map Radio, keeping sports content fresh and fun. Join us right here on KDUS AM 1060.
11.38 right here on KDOS AM 1060. You're in the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you. And it's that time. We've been discussing it throughout the show, giving you an opportunity to cast your vote. We now answer. It's poll question time, and we'll get things started here with the KDOS1060.com poll question reflecting on the Arizona Diamondbacks and their run in the postseason. It ended uh, last night at the hands of the Texas Rangers, but still incredible for the Diamondbacks to be a part of the postseason World Series, first World Series in 22 years. So what most stood out during the Diamondbacks postseason run, the options here winning the final two games in Philadelphia to win the National League, late inning bullpen domination, or Cattell Marte's hitting streak. Yeah, I can see the Philadelphia winning the last two games for sure. Uh, the Marte thing, I really can't see. Uh, they lost a few of those games where he got hits. Uh, and, uh, the one I think for me is by far number one here, uh, which when we last heard, they had 0% of the vote, so shame on the voters, at least at that point. Hopefully they'll get smarter here. Uh, but the bullpen, they don't win squat uh, if it isn't for the way that the bullpen performed. Literally the entire postseason until this last series, uh, you know, with Seawald obviously had the two bad outings, including last night. Uh, but you know, before that, Seawald and, and Ginkle had not allowed a run in the postseason. Ginkle, as it turns out, didn't give up any runs in the postseason. And just the entire bullpen performance, that's the primary reason they won any games for the most part in the postseason. Yeah, so I think you can make a, a case for, for all three. Cattell Marte's incredible 20-game uh, hitting streak in the postseason that uh, actually had stemmed from the last time the Diamondbacks were in the postseason. What was that, 20, 2017? Uh, his timing of, of hits were, were very timely. He was hitting to get something started. He had some good at-bats here. The streak did end, though, in yesterday's game at 20 games. He did get on base three times, but certainly you felt good with Cattell Marte coming to the plate and, you know, him and, and Corbin Carroll switching back and forth between the leadoff spots, depending upon the pitching matchups, et cetera. But you felt like there was going to be a quality at bat with him and you felt good with him being in those moments and in those situations. So I can make a case for that. Uh, I think you certainly highlighted there with the late inning bullpen domination here that the bullpen came together, shut things down against good hitters in the seventh, eighth and ninth inning. It, it sort of came together there at the end of the season. You started to see some things. Then it translate transitioned into the postseason. Kevin Ginkle was really good. There were some high leverage situations for him to be in to to make the situation what it was for the Diamondbacks to have the opportunity opportunities that they did in the postseason and they were key to this team making the World Series and then for the final two games in Philadelphia to win the National League I think for me that's where where it was because going into Philly, Philly, a place where no one was really winning in the postseason, and then to win two to become the NL pennant winners, uh, I think was a ton of fun to, to watch that. You had game seven with Brandon Fott getting the start. It was just a beautiful brand of baseball that they were playing. They didn't have any home runs in that game, but they just were moving guys over, stealing, putting pressure on the Phillies. It ended up being just a fun game to watch and uh, a cool experience. To, to see them, I, I guess, defy what everyone's expectations were, whether it have been, uh, you know, the national media giving them absolutely no chance against the bats of the, of the Philadelphia Phillies. 
Or the local media, in my case. So uh, hopefully Mike Hazen can uh, get some rest and not have to, you know, that, that dude, how many steps does he take a day? Just just pacing games uh, in the press box. I so know, I'd be curious uh, to know. Yeah, oh my God. So, uh, yeah, he needs to, he needs to, uh, I'm sure his legs are just saying, he's a young man, I'm sure his legs are saying, hey, give me a rest here, come on. Uh, for the masses, they're on the 88% side of things with winning the final two games in Philadelphia. Uh, 88% of the vote there. Late inning bullpen domination and Cattell Marte's hitting streak each at 6% of the vote. Oh, they s- moved up to 6% from 0% earlier in the hour. So there's hope. There's I was, hope. I was going to say, yeah, did you right. sneak in and cast your vote? I did not because that would be cheating. Okay. All I right. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, I've never really cheated at anything unless I had to. <laughs> We'll just leave that there. KDOS1060.com's poll question. Transitioning to Twitter at KDOSAM1060, Bob in the 9 o'clock hour had a conversation with David Beauclair talking about the Tennessee Titans. He came to us from Believe Network. If you missed it, podcast it over at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS1060 app. The game is tonight in Pittsburgh between the Titans and the Steelers. So who wins? Will Levis actually looked good in his first start. Uh, You know, he had obviously the flashy numbers with four touchdowns, but there were some really solid moments for him throughout that game. I'm curious to know what happens now in a second start. Is One, there's tape on him. Two, it's a short week. Three, you're going into Pittsburgh. Four, Pittsburgh can get after the quarterback. Uh, They are... Then this season here, you have T.J. White. You have the ability to put pressure on him. In addition to that, if Cam Hayward is coming back tonight, that should help the run defense for the Steelers. So maybe that impacts Derrick Henry's ability to help lessen the burden on Will Levis there. So just kind of some things on that front. Uh, Kenny Pickett, I guess he's playing. Um Goodness gracious, though, like if it's him, if it's Mitchell Trubisky, I don't know if one is really uh, overly improving the offense than the other. They can't run the football. So there's certainly areas there that are of great concern to move the ball. You kind of always have to expect that the Steelers defense is going to win you the football game. Both of these coaches, though, do get more out of their teams. I think that it's going to be a slugfest in this particular contest. I would go Steelers because of the defense and because of being at home. Yeah, I think this is actually a really easy choice for me. I'm not believing the Will Levis flavor of the week crap. I've watched too much of him in his Penn State and Kentucky days. Throw passes that, as I mentioned, uh, I I found a note from last year and I used it during uh, the sports. um, uh, He threw more passes in college or many passes in college that were closer to cheerleaders in the band than actually anybody in the field. And I'm not buying the one week of accuracy or throwing the ball down the field is going to continue. One of the reasons I think that uh, throwing the ball down the field may not continue is for whatever reason, uh, the Tennessee Titans, who have had a horrendous job, they've done a horrendous job of protecting the passer for two or three years now, suddenly protected really well last week. And I don't think that's happening against the Steelers, who were definitely a good pass rushing team, needless to say, without having to blitz very often. They're good at that. As far as a couple of things on the Pittsburgh side, uh, Kenny Pickett says he's going to play. I don't think Mike Tomlin has said that quite yet, but uh, that's at least what Pickett said on Tuesday. Minka Fitzpatrick is definitely not going to play. 
and may miss more than just this week with the leg injury that he suffered last week. Hayward is expected to play tonight. He did return to practice this week. He's much more of a run guy than a pass rush guy, even though he can provide a pass rush when you know, given the opportunity. Uh, but uh, we'll see what's going on with that. The run numbers, as we mentioned, for several years now and uh, as uh, recently as like a last hour. <laughs> I don't have the exact numbers in front of me here, but when we had the uh, Steelers preseason preview, I did have those numbers. It's like a yard difference of when he's on the field yards per carry and the positive side for the Steelers and that's a massive number it may not sound like a big deal but a yard per game is a lot uh, so I just think that the Steelers are going to physically overwhelm Tennessee and I just think that Will Levis is more likely a flavor of the week and uh, he's going to go back to his inaccurate self when he gets pressured. I will say this, that it was Mike Garofolo on the NFL Network Insider Show this morning said that his expectation from what you know he's hearing is that Pickett will play. Yeah, one other thing. I, I've been shocked at the comparisons I've heard because of one week of Lil, Will Levis. These people in the NFL, I'm not blaming this. for. Well, maybe I should because they had plenty of time to study the draft. Uh, but I heard on NFL Network, Brian Baldinger compared him to John Elway and Warren Moon. Uh, you know, he has a nice strong arm, uh, but you know, to compare him to two Hall of Famers is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Wow. That is, wow. Okay. One game into the career, huh? Yep. I guess they've One been... start. He's, he's right there. You know, get, you, you get the Canton... Bust already. Get get whoever does those busts does a really good job. Uh, get that Will Levis work started. I guess they're on the Will Levis. What is it? His mayo diet. Like he puts mayo in his coffee. Oh, that's right. He, I forgot all about all that weird stuff he does. I remember they actually had a feature on his CBS last year before one of their the one of the Kentucky games. It was like you know the grossest thing I've ever seen. I mean, it was horrible. I mean, I hate mayonnaise anyway. My father was a big mayonnaise guy, but I, I just, there, there are a few things that I think are more disgusting than mayonnaise. Well, I don't drink coffee, and adding mayonnaise to coffee doesn't yeah, I don't make do, it. I don't, yeah, that's right. I don't do that either. That's a good point. <laughs> that certainly doesn't entice me to start. That's for certain. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Also, I we can't may, believe it could be worse. We also may be the only two people in the world that don't drink coffee. Yeah, I just, I, you know, did it in college once in a while trying to get sober. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just, I never quite understood. I actually, you know, that, that I tried it and the caffeine rush is just too much for me. Interesting. Even in my younger days, it was too much for me. The masses, they're on the Steelers' side of things at 70% of the vote. Titans sitting at 30%. This is on Twitter, at KDUS AM 1060. The game is 5.15 p.m. on Amazon Prime. Kirk Herbstreet, Al Michaels have the call. We will wrap- Next week, it's Carolina and the Bears. Woohoo! Yeah, I wonder what comments Al Michaels will be saying for that contest. Well, I saw Al on, uh, he was on NFL Network this morning. Maybe he showed up this morning because he didn't want to have to talk about next week's game. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, he and Mike Tomlin are real tight. I remember seeing them together at the Super Bowl when the Cardinals were playing there. They're, they're friends. And that was, you know, that's 15, 16, well, it was 2007 or 2008, whenever that was. So they were buddies then, as I'm sure that uh, they've had many games together since then. Week 11's good. Bengals-Ravens Thursday night. 
Okay. Well, this weekend in the NFL and college football, this should be the best weekend in football this year. Upcoming. Have you downloaded the KTUS 1060 app yet? Download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone. November 2nd edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Bob, it's thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, thank our guest today, Thursday Night Football Preview with David Beauclair, I believe, who covers the Titans. Uh, sound of the day, courtesy of Fox. Also, Tex 105.3. We combined uh, the uh, Diamondbacks and Rangers highlights, uh, those two uh, entities. Uh, CBS and also ESPN. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6 tonight. There is no baseball tonight. World Series is over, and there wasn't going to be baseball today, regardless if uh, the Diamondbacks had won, but there would have been baseball tomorrow. So sad that baseball is over. Uh Spurs and Suns, it's 7 p.m. on 3TV tonight. The Titans at the Steelers, 5.15 p.m. on Amazon Prime. The numbers here, the last I saw was the Titans plus 2.5, the Steelers minus 2.5, over-under sitting at 36.5. There are some threes out there this morning that have popped up. So, you know, it's it's a, a Thursday night game. And actually... I'm not positive about this, but it sure seems like there's been not much movement on these Thursday night games. Yeah, the unders have also been doing pretty well in these primetime matchups, but 36 and a half. Holy moly. <laughs> well, yeah, well, Levis is going to throw seven touchdowns and go over that all by himself. Hey, yeah, he might connect with DeAndre Hopkins over under 53 and a half. He was, he was the main target last week. That's true. He was, and he, he shockingly missed some practice this week. But uh, I was just being sarcastic what I just said about Will Levis going over the total all by himself for somebody that is just tuning in and might maybe not heard my other Will Levis takes over the last two or three years. I would be very surprised if he were ever a productive NFL quarterback. Uh, some other NFL news here. It looks At least like- on a, I'm sorry, on a week-to-week basis, like a starter. So I think he's just a guy with a strong arm who has no idea where it's going. And we watched him in college enough that he couldn't read a defense to save his ass. Other NFL news. It looks like uh, the Giants have already ruled out Darren Waller. Uh, He's going to miss Sunday's contest, which would have been a revenge game for him, uh, taking on the Raiders. This hamstring injury is lingering, and it's very unfortunate. Uh, Darren Waller's career has really just been impacted by injuries. It actually looks like he's going to be out for several weeks, according to at least one report this morning. Uh, This is also really wild. Switching back to baseball here, I didn't realize this. Uh, Will Smith, he's a pitcher 
for yeah. the Rangers, not to be confused with the Dodgers, Will Smith. Uh, Will Smith, he's won three straight World Series, though, with three different teams. The 2021 yes. Braves, the 2022 Astros, and the 2023 Rangers. When we talk about just how hard it is to make the postseason and to go to a World Series, let alone win a World Series, Will Smith is out here doing it three straight years with three different teams. And he was really a major contributor when the Braves won their World Series. He was also a major contributor for a large majority of this season as the closer uh, for the Rangers before he just really kind of hit a wall. I think he was just, you know, he, he was used frequently by Bruce Bochy. And I'm never going to criticize Bruce Bochy, but, you know, he was used a lot and he was kind of out of gas. And that's when they ended up going uh, with other people and, uh, you know, LeCork was, you know, their closer like two or three years ago, and they had massive you know, arm injuries for like two years. He didn't pitch for like at least a year, maybe even longer than that. And so Will Smith was a big part of their World Series team this year, especially early in the season when they got off to such a good start. Tomorrow. Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. We're sitting at seven and two on the season. Looking to put together back-to-back wins as you are eligible for a $100 gift certificate from Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. And if you are the winner, come with your weekend play. We put $5 on it and at season's end have money for charity. So like I said, we're 7-2 with your picks. And we're looking to put back-to-back winning weekends. We'll dive into a plethora of college football and NFL games in tomorrow's program. Everyone have yourselves a fantastic Thursday. Talk to you tomorrow with the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp getting things started at 9 a.m.